0: Superman and Madman have swapped powers. Angry, hyper-powered feminists have taken over City Hall. The streets are full of hungry zombies. There's only one fella who could create these problems, and it's up to Superman and Madman to put an end to his escapades. But how? Mike Allred turns his talents toward comics' greatest superhero in the conclusion to this three-issue crossover, co-published, with DC Comics. That is today on Just Another Fanboy. Take a hot dog, stuff it with some jack cheese, fold it in a pizza, you got cheesy blasters. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast with a loud ringing in its ears. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and here we go, folks, the third and final issue of the Superman Madman Hullabaloo. But before we get into it, I have a little announcement to make. Now, I've said previously that I was going to take a break From the Madman comics after this issue. And while that's still true, I do want to announce that I'm also taking a break from just another fanboy. Uh, I don't know how long I will be on this hiatus, but I do want to focus on Event or Else, which has six more episodes to go in the current season in which I'm talking about Secret Wars 2. And of course... Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman is coming back this week, and there's still a number of episodes of those to go through. And let's not forget the Superman Super Show. That's still going to come at you each and every week, every Monday. And I also want to try and get episodes of Superman or Else and Hither Named Conan out as well. So with all that going on, I really just don't have a lot of time for Just Another Fanboy. Currently, again, I don't know how long it's going to be on hiatus. I might try to squeeze in a JAF classic episode here and there because I don't have to put a lot of effort into those because they're already recorded and edited. All I really need to do is just record a quick intro, stick it on to the beginning, and that's pretty much it. So if you are either subscribed to the Steven Says Stuff newsletter at List just fanboy.com, or if you're subscribed to the Stephen or else podcast feed, you don't really have to worry about missing much of anything from me at all because even though Just Another Fanboy is going to go on hiatus, I have all these other podcasts I'm doing and all the episodes coming out and they are all going to be released on the Stephen or else feed. They all have their own respective podcast feeds, but you can subscribe to the Stephen or else feed and get everything, or you can subscribe to the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter, and I will email you every episode I do. That's a pretty good deal, if I don't say so myself. I also encourage all of you to uh, join my Patreon. Dollar a month, you're going to get all the episodes I do, but earlier than everybody else. Or if you want to just throw a little donation my way, just go to stevenarels.com or or really any of the podcast websites. There's a button there for donate and you can donate. All right. That's my spiel. That's my thing. I'm going to stop talking about all that stuff. And we're going to look at the Superman, Madman, Hullabaloo issue number three. This issue was published by Dark Horse in conjunction with DC Comics in August of 1997 and this issue is entitled super madness as with the other two issues words and pictures were by mike allred letters by sean cannot and colors by laura allred previously in the superman madman hullabaloo frank the madman of snap city switched places with superman in some kind of interdimensional snafu the combined brain power of dr Flem and professor hamilton got it all fixed but they learn that during the snafu, Superman's powers fragmented and were placed in various people from both universes. Frank and Superman track down everyone in Metropolis and retrieve the super fragments from Superman's universe before crossing over into Frank's, only to find the mutant street beatniks waiting for them, along with Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. So as issue number three opens, Mr. Mixie's Pitlick, he's hovering in the air above a group of four mutant street beatniks, and he's holding a car over his head. Suddenly, with a pop, Mr. Mixie's Pitlick vanishes, leaving the car to plummet down upon the heads of the beatniks. But Frank, still holding on to some of Superman's powers, catches the car before it can hurt anyone. The mutant street beatniks, however, are far from grateful, and they go after Frank and his friends. Frank and the crew escape into the Snap City sewer system, making their way to one of Dr. Flem's rocket car tunnels, which they use to regroup at Dr. Flem's underground lab in Buzztown. Using all of his fancy equipment, Dr. Flem finds that one of the super fragments is somewhere within the Buzztown cemetery. Frank, Superman, Joe, Lois, Dr. Flem, Professor Hamilton, Mott, Dr. Gale and Bonnie make their way to the cemetery while Astro Man and Machina head out to Snap City to look into a woman that was recently on the TV that may or may not have the final super fragment. Arriving at the cemetery, our courageous crew battles a zombie. Learning that said zombie was the brother of a man named Malik who used voodoo to try and bring his brother back to life. His brother, however, wound up with one of the Super Fragments, turning him into a Super Zombie. Once the Super Zombie is defeated and Professor Hamilton's collection device used to pull the Super Fragment from it, the woman from the television appears, turning out to be Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. Frank challenges Mr. Mixie's Pitlick to a contest featuring a well-known game and defeats the 5th Dimensional Imp, forcing Mixie to leave, going back to his own dimension to bother them. No more. With Mr. Mixie's Pitlick gone, the last super fragment, the one inside Frank, is put back into Superman. And after enjoying some of Joe's famous root beer floats, Superman, Lois, and Professor Hamilton say goodbye to Frank and his friends and go back to their universe. The end. Yeah, that was it. That was the third issue. So looking at it uh, a bit more in depth, we'll start with the cover. As normal, This is probably my favorite of the three covers. It features Superman and Frank battling the four mutant street beatniks as Professor Hamilton and Lois look on in concern. And as the issue opens, Frank and Superman and Lois, Professor Hamilton, the the whole crew, they just arrived in Frank's universe. They'd come through the portal and they arrived to find these mutant street beatniks. And I think. I said last week when I talked about the previous issue that they were waiting for Frank, maybe that they were possibly with Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. But we learned very quickly here that the street beatniks and the imp are not teaming up. This is not a a villain team up. Mr. Mixie's Pitlick is holding a car above the street beatniks. And as soon as he sees Frank, he disappears, which causes the car to fall, and Frank is able to catch it. Superman fills Frank in on who Mr. Mixie's Pitlick is, but before Frank can really process that information, he kind of points out to Superman that these mutant street beatniks are not too keen on me. They're going to come after me, and we need to get out of here. Superman, being Superman, he's, he doesn't want to run. He thinks that there is a diplomatic solution. He wants to talk to the street beatniks, He actually tells Frank, running from your problems is never a solution, to which Frank's answer is, but these guys like to scratch. Frank basically is trying to tell Superman that that you can't reason with these street beatniks, but Superman won't listen because Superman often thinks that he knows better than everyone. I mean, he is my favorite superhero character in the world, but he is often portrayed as a righteous know-it-all who knows the right thing to do and won't consider any other alternatives and will often do the wrong thing to enforce what he thinks is the right thing. For example, see Kingdom Come. Anyway, Dr. Phlegm removes a manhole cover in the street and the others escape down into the sewer system as Superman is trying to reason with the beatniks. Gentlemen, please, can't we discuss this? There's no need for hostilities. Frank is about to escape into the manhole when he is jumped by one of the four street beatniks, and Frank tosses the guy up into the air, and this dude grabs onto a a lamp post and hangs there for a bit, and Frank is telling him, come on, come down, I'll catch you. Go ahead. I promise I'll catch you. You can't just dangle up there all day And the Beatnik's response is, oh, yeah, dig me. In the meantime, Superman has gathered up the other three Beatniks and have put them inside the car that Mr. Mixie's Pitlick was holding up into the air. And then he kind of smashes the doors in so they can't open and is basically using it as kind of a prison. And then he turns to Frank and says, they aren't very reasonable, are they, Frank? To which Frank responds, No. So can we go now? And so the two of them make their way into the sewer system as the mutant street beatniks are freeing themselves from the car. The, the fourth one is still hanging up on that lamppost, but he starts to climb down. And so they go after Frank and the crew coming down into the sewers. And that's when Dr. Flem reveals that there's a reason they're down here and shows them the entrance to the rocket car tunnels which is kind of a secret camouflaged entrance. And so the street beatniks have no idea where they've gone and cannot find them. In the meantime, they climb aboard a rocket car, which up to this point, the rocket cars have all pretty much been like really slick looking convertibles with no wheels that kind of move along a monorail track. But in this case, it's a station wagon with no wheels that even has wood paneling on the sides, which works out to their advantage because there's quite a few of them to pile into this station wagon. But even then the back of the station wagon is full of robots and robot parts, pieces of robots that ties back to an earlier Madman comics story in which there was, uh, the, the renegade runaway robots that, Dr. Flem had to take out using a EMP pulse, and then they could go out and gather up the robots at their leisure. And that's what he's been doing with this station wagon rocket car. So poor Lois is all the way in the back, and she's kind of crammed in there with all these robots. They arrive at Dr. Flem's lab to find out that Bonnie has prepared a wonderful buffet. In fact, it's her first attempt at a spinach au gratin. Lois, who is working out a kink in her back, says that that sounds pretty swell. And they start to chow down as Dr. Phlegm uses his equipment to narrow down where the last two super fragments are. And Superman and Lois explain to everybody who Mr. Mixie's Pitlick is. As Superman puts it, he's a little imp, With annoying magical powers, he gets pleasure from making me miserable. Dr. Phlegm does not believe this in any way. An imp, a magical imp, as in Santa's elf, a wayward leprechaun. Are you asking me to ignore science and accept all of our conclusions, all of our research as a magical prank? Superman says, well, yes. As they're discussing this, Mott has made himself comfortable in front of the TV And he points out that, hey, there's something on the TV y'all might want to look at. And it's some sort of news report from Snap City showing a, a woman who is giving a speech on the steps of City Hall, it appears to be. She's saying, this is the dawn of womankind. Man's dominance is over. Join me, women. Let me teach you how to unlock the power in your superior minds. And the on-the-spot reporter is, is telling us, or the the people at home, that was the scene at City Hall a mere two hours ago. The mysterious woman disappeared as soon as she appeared, leaping over police cars, making her escape from the chaos, she called. So they are under the assumption that one of the two missing fragments is in this woman. They, they're not quite sure where she is now at this point. They do know that one of them, one of the fragments is in the Buzztown Cemetery. So they kind of split up. Everybody except for Astro Man and Machina go to the cemetery, and the two robots go into Snap City to find this woman. And there's a moment here that I'm not too sure about, because Astro Man basically makes his thoughts known about women's lib. He says, I'll fly into Snap City and watch for any disturbances from that superwoman And uh, Machina says, oh, no, not without me, you won't. And Astro Man's response is, "Okay, as long as you don't get suckered by that age of woman malarkey, which has me a little worried because Astro Man is supposed to be a reflection of Frank. He is a robot that other robots built using Frank's memories from a brain scan. So in essence, he is Frank, just uh, uh, as in, in robot form. But. He's been around for a bit, so he could have, at this point, formed his own opinions on things, even though they sound rather wrong, or at least I don't agree with them. But as they're heading out, Dr. Flem tells them to signal him if they see anything out of the ordinary, to which Joe says, like, maybe a couple of robot lovebirds strolling through Snap City and Machina, who is in love with Astro Man. Basically, Machina and Astro Man are a robot couple. Machina doesn't like Joe because Joe is Frank's girlfriend. And since Astro Man is a robot version of Frank, she assumes that Joe is also in love with Astro Man and that Astro Man is in love with her. So she kind of flips back. You just worry about your own man, Missy. But the rest of them all go to the cemetery and as they arrive, they kind of split off into pairs. That way they can cover more ground. And Professor Hamilton asks Mott if the two of them can team up. Mott agrees. Bonnie says she's with Gillespie or Dr. Flem. Joe, of course, is teaming up with Frank. And Lois is teaming up with Superman, leaving Dr. Gale, Gale all by herself. And she's not really all that happy about it. Yeah, yeah, Lois goes with Superman here. This isn't a couple's retreat, you know. And Lois offers, well, why don't you go with Superman? I don't mind splitting off by myself. To which Superman seems to feel very uncomfortable about that because he goes, well, I do. I, uh, I mean, no one should be off by themselves. We have no idea who we're dealing with here. And really, Superman just wants to be with Lois. But Gail, annoyed by the whole thing, uh, leaves them. I don't have time for this, she says. I have research of my own to work on. I'm going back to the lab. You can tell me what happened later. And as she's walking away, we get, we get a panel with her talking to herself. Mustn't forget the world revolves around Dr. Gillespie Flemm. Drop everything for the great genius. Please. I really like Dr. Gail Gale. Uh, I know I've talked about her before. If you're not quite sure who she is, she is uh, uh, Dr. Flem's lab assistant. Even though she's a, she's a doctor herself, she had at one point been subdued by some clones of Dr. Phlegm that he had created that kind of went, they kind of went crazy and they tattooed her entire body with celestial tattoos, planets and stars and comets and such. And so she created this formula to get rid of the tattoos and soaked bandages in this, this liquid and wrapped the bandages around her and this chemical solution that she created didn't get rid of the tattoos, but it turned her invisible, leaving the tattoos to be seen by everybody. So she's like an invisible person, but she's just a walking mass of tattoos basically, but she continues to keep herself wrapped in bandages, wearing a pair of goggles so that like the invisible man, people can can see where she is. But it's as she's leaving, as she's walking away from the cemetery, she is attacked by a shadowy figure. She screams, and Frank and Superman go to investigate. It's here that it seems that we learn that one of the powers that Frank now has is flight, which he didn't have before. I mean, back in the first issue when Frank and Superman were, they'd kind of merged. They were in each other's bodies, but were kind of like an amalgamation of each other. And Frank had some of Superman's powers. The one power he didn't have was flight. But now he appears to have it because he's definitely flying next to Superman. But they encounter this guy who has an arm around Dr. Gale's throat. Looks like he is uh, subduing her. Looks like he's capturing her, kidnapping her. But he exclaims that it's not him. He didn't hurt anybody. He He didn't do anything wrong. He's trying to keep her safe. And Frank yells at him, let her go now. And the guy's like, sure, sure, just hold it down. He's telling them not to be so loud. He says that his name is Malik, and he was just trying to protect her. And she says she's fine, but he scared the life out of her. And Frank calls out to everybody else, she's okay, don't sweat it. And Malik tells him, shh, quiet, you fool. But it's too late. A zombie comes bursting through this stone wall. Find out it's Malik's brother. Malik is... I don't know if you'd call him a witch doctor, but he says that he used an ancestral voodoo spell to bring his brother back to life, and it actually worked. But then he became like super strong because we learned that the zombie has one of Superman's power fragments, but they managed to hold the the zombie still long enough to use the power collector to take Superman's powers away, and then the zombie collapses no longer One of the undead. The feminist woman from the television shows up at the cemetery, but we learn quickly that she is not who she appears to be. She is Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. Now, the fifth dimensional imp tells them all Your utopian metropolis is virtually the capital of boredom. You know you love having a little edge in your life. Come on, boy, admit it. Superman says, I could do without you. Why have you done all this? And Mixie's response is, I thought it would be a bit of a kick for everyone if I spread the wealth. You know, let some of the common folk get a taste and let you have a taste of the unfortunate. To which Frank's response is, Hey, is that me he's talking about? Where does he get off calling me unfortunate? Have you looked in a mirror lately? Lois explains to Frank that this image we see of Mr. Mixie's Pitlick, who looks like a, a small, Small dude with, uh, who's bald on the top, hair on the sides sticking out, and he wears like an orange and purple suit with a little purple hat. That this is not actually what Mixie looks like. He has a fifth dimensional form, which they've never seen, but this is the way that he uh, always appears to them, which she says she doesn't care too much for it either. And so Mr. Mixie's Pitlick turns his body into like a big, Muscly guy with rock hard abs and big biceps and says, well, what do you think about this form? And Lois says sarcastically, a real turn on, I must say. And Mixie tells them, you think you're being sarcastic, but truth be told, you are a shallow race. You really do prize beauty and perfection over other assets. Joe does not agree with this. And she tells uh, Mr. Mixie's Pitlick that that is bunk. She loves Frank for his heart and his spirit and his mind. And Mixie tells him, Really? His mind is worthless next to a body like this. And Frank says that what good is a body without the mind, without the human spirit to guide it? And Mixie's Pitlick takes that as a challenge. Tells Frank, You pick any game, any sport, and Mixie will beat Frank using nothing but his mind and this new muscly body that he's created, that he's not going to use his magic in any way. And Frank has an idea because there's a game that they can play, a game that he has never lost, that he's undefeated, but it's back in Dr. Boyford's Snap City Lab. And so Mixie's Pitlick, using his magic, teleports them all there. And the deal they make is that if Frank wins, Mixie's Pitlick will leave Frank's universe and Superman's universe. He'll, he'll go back home and he won't bother him anymore and everything will go back to the way it was. But he tells Frank that if Frank loses, he has to spend an hour in a cage with the mutant street beatniks and he makes this big cage appear that has the four mutant street beatniks in it and Frank has a little gulp. But then he gets out the game and the game happens to be Twister. Yeah! very simple frank says you spin the wheel you have to place the corresponding hand or foot onto the corresponding color whoever fails to do so loses and joe is really worried she tells frank that yeah you're undefeated but you've only played against me and bonnie you haven't had any like real competition and frank tells her joe you're forgetting my secret weapon so mixie's pitlick agrees to this contest superman tells him no magic Mixie's Pitlick agrees. No magic, I promise. And he tells Frank that since it's his game, he has to go first. So they start playing Twister. Left hand blue, right foot red, right foot yellow, right hand green, left foot green, right foot blue, left hand red. Just going through this game and each one of them are doing very well, but they get to the final two moves. They are both contorted over the Twister mat, sweat pouring off of each of their brows. And it's now Frank's turn. Lois, who's the one actually spinning the, the spinner and calling out the where they have to put their hand or their, their, their feet. And she says, right hand blue. Mixie's Pitlick is very happy at this point because he can see that there's no way that Frank is going to reach that. But Frank explains to him that he has a special talent. He is... Double jointed, so he's able to move his right hand to the blue circle. Lois spins the spinner for the last time on Mr. Mixie's Pitlick's turn, and he gets left foot green, and he stretches and tries, and, oh, he falls and loses the game. Frank starts dancing, yeah, baby, I win, you lose. Crown me the undefeated king of Twister. Twister king, Twister king. And then he puts the L up on his forehead and calls Mixie's Pitlick a loser. And Mr. Mixie Spitlick telling Frank that he is a gracious winner, that he will honor the wager, and he teleports away, leaving them with one last thing to say, pointing at Superman, I'll be seeing you soon. It's your turn to play my game. And as he pops away, Frank is telling him, smell you later. And then the super fragment transfers from Frank to Superman. The last page, the final page, the, the three of them from Metropolis, Professor Hamilton, Lois, and Superman are set to leave to go back into their universe. But Joe comes down the stairs with a tray, and on that tray are foaming mugs of root beer floats. And she's saying, how about a root beer float to go? And all three of them seem to be very excited about that. Sure, says Professor Hamilton. Sounds nice, says Lois. Thank you very much says Superman, and holding his mug of root beer float, he shakes Frank's hand, tells Frank, you did great. I might have handled Mixie differently, but I certainly couldn't have done it any better. To which Frank replies, wow, gee, thanks. Coming from you, that's quite a compliment. I should introduce you to my pals, Hellboy, Big Guy, Monkey Man, and O'Brien. I think you'd like them. And of course, all those characters are part of the the Dark Horse uh, shared universe that they were trying to build at the time. Hellboy, Big Guy, Monkey Man and O'Brien. Hellboy, of course, by Mike McNola. Big Guy by Frank Miller. And Monkey Man and O'Brien by Art Adams, which only got a few issues, but it was, it was a pretty good book and looked beautiful. But the final panel of the issue, Superman, Lois, and Professor Hamilton are going back through the portal to go into their world. They're all saying goodbye, and Dr. Flem is telling Frank, Frank, I was hoping you could help me with an aqua rocket I've been working on. And then it says, the end, question mark, exclamation point. And I don't know that I've noticed this before until just right now, but in the lower left-hand corner of this final panel, you see Dr. Gale in profile, just a, a bit of her face in profile. And then next to her is the top of somebody else's head. They have what appears to be kind of a swooshy mohawk there. The head really reminds me of Dr. Flem, but the skin looks green, and Dr. Flem is practically standing next to whoever this person is, which makes me feel like this is one of Dr. Flem's clones, which went crazy and started to deteriorate. And I have no idea if this comes back up in any other future Madman issue, but it's got me freaking curious as crap. But that was uh, Madman, Madman, Superman, Superman, Madman, Hullabaloo, whatever the title is. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I am very happy that this is something that is part of our world, that something like this could be created, that it's, it's out there, that you can still pick up something like the uh, Madmaniverse library edition books and read this three-issue series. It is in volume two. And again, it's really neat that Allred was able to include it in this collection because I think it's a classic Superman slash Madman story. I think it wrapped up rather nicely. It only makes sense that the contest or the, the way that they go about defeating Mixie's Pitlick is by playing Twister because that's totally something Frank would do. Superman would use his brain to try and trick Mixie's Pitlick into going back to his dimension. I feel like, at least in the old Super Friends cartoons that I remember, whenever Mixie's Pitlick would show up, they had to try to trick him into saying his name backwards, and that would remove him from their dimension. It would immediately snap him back to his own dimension, and I... I'm assuming that was part of the comics back in the Silver and Bronze Age, but I don't know. I don't know that I've ever read an actual issue with Mr. Mixie's Pitlick except for this Superman Madman issue. So I guess I'll just have to count on those of you listening who know to uh, fill me in. Just another fanboy at gmail.com. Was it a thing in the comics for them to try to get Mixie's Pitlick to say his name backwards to remove him from their dimension? And in fact, now that I'm thinking about it in the cartoons, in the, the I'm fairly certain it was the, the Super Friends cartoons, whoever was in charge of that show or whoever wrote the scripts or, or I don't know who it was, but they didn't know how to pronounce the name Mixie's Pitlick, or they assumed that nobody at home would be able to say it. And so he was called Mixleplick, I think is what he was called in those cartoons which really isn't all that more difficult than Mixie's Pitlick. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I am going back to read these books, mainly just to have a chance to read this again, because it's been since the 90s, since I read these three issues. And it's just as fun as I remember them being. And it makes me a little sad that I'm taking a hiatus from the Madman comics, or at least I'm taking a, uh, a break from creating episodes about the Madman comics. I'm sure I'm going to still read them and then eventually we'll get back to making episodes about them. But this is a point in the show where I'd wrap it up and tell you what you can look forward to next week. But as I said at the top of the show, just another fanboy is going on a hiatus. If you're not subscribed to the Steven or Else feed, you're going to want to do that so you can catch all the other shows. You don't have to worry about subscribing to a bunch of different feeds. Or as I also mentioned Subscribe to the Steven Says Stuff newsletter and you will get the episodes sent directly to your email inbox the morning that they're released. They also have a way that you can get your own. It's, it's like a private feed for each of the podcasts through uh, Steven Says Stuff. So you can just subscribe to those depending on what podcast player you're using. Apple Podcasts, for example google podcasts they are both able to subscribe to the the special private feed some of the others aren't but most of the major ones can so again i don't know when just another fanboy will be back but until then folks hang tight we'll get back to it eventually and when we do you will hear me say that my name is steven and i'm just another fanboy be nice to each other the Just Another Fanboy podcast is a Stephen or Else production. Questions and comments can be directed to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or Else, and then come join in on all the fun at the Just Another Fanboy message boards at forum.justanotherfanboy.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I am going to do my very very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Bye bye daddy. Bye bye daddy. Good job. <laughs> Uh-oh. There's excitement going round, there's a party going down. Wait, Twister, the hot spot. Yeah, Twister, your feet and hands go down, but you gotta stay up. Twister, the hot spot. Twister, the hottest game around. Twister, the hot spot.